Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word, and uh, it is good to be with you here on uh, this Tuesday afternoon. Um, we certainly are glad to kind of get ourselves back on track and all of that. Like I said before, we uh, took a little bit of a break, had to take care of some family things, and uh, we did do our podcast on Friday, but uh, we want to get back on track where we're going. And we've been talking about the things that God hates, the things that God hates. And so before we go any further, I would like to make sure I try to do this each time. Now, I don't want you all to think that if I miss a, a time in prayer uh, before we get to this, that I haven't gone to prayer because I certainly have gone to prayer uh, prior to this in the first place. You know, I try to give the Lord as much time as I can uh, each day. And that doesn't minimize the need to pray uh, before we talk uh, here. Because when we're in the Word, we certainly need to uh, be mindful of that, to be led of the uh, Spirit of God, to be led by the Holy Ghost. Because otherwise, uh, you know, our thoughts and ideas could get in the way, and we certainly do not want that. So let's go to God's uh, throne in prayer. And, uh, you know, and certainly we, you know, any time that you go to do something and uh, if, if you've taken time to pray every day, you know, I, I talk about that a lot. I talk about that on the eunuch preacher. Uh, our uh, worship services are uh, taped if you will, they're taped and, and then downloaded as well, our Wednesday night Bible studies and then our Saturday worship services on the Sabbath. Uh, they are uh, pre-taped and then loaded. Brother Vernon loads them up and gets them all ready to go. Uh, and you can find the Eunuch Preacher. You can Google that uh, in Eunuch. If those of you who are listening don't know how to spell that, it's spelled E-U-N-U-C-H. And uh, each of the letters of those words are capitalized, the eunuch preacher. And you can uh, find that done by uh, Brother J.W. Brand. That's myself. And, uh, but, you know, we have got to make a point. I've said this over and over and over. You know, if we will find ourselves a place to pray, Every day, I believe that it is imperative, I really do, that before you begin your day, now I realize that there are some folks, and we are going to get to prayer here in a minute, I realize that there are some folks, uh, your day runs different, some people uh, work a night shift, and some people work a swing shift, and uh, and then those who start their day early in the morning, but whatever it is that you find your day to be and however it manages itself to, to come about um, in your uh, work schedule. I believe before we start our day that we need to take some time for the Lord. And you say, well, I'm, I'm just uh, tired. Well, you don't think this 62-year-old man ain't tired. Uh, well, I do get tired, and I'm, I'm headed to be 63 you say, well, that's not very old. Well, it's not. I mean, I actually heard uh, a woman preach. I almost called her a young woman, but anyway, <laughs> a woman preached today. I heard her on my phone listening to her. She was a Holy Ghost-filled 
woman baptized in Jesus' name, 96 years old. Can you imagine? And almost 97. And she was standing up preaching the Word of God. I mean, I, I was blessed to listen to two messages at first today, and she's talking so much about prayer, and it really, really touched my heart. And I thought, you know, I really need to be diligent about uh, even when I come to the podcast to to make sure that I don't forget to do that. So we want to make sure we do that. But I'll tell you, it was a wonderful blessing. And this woman stood there. She she preaches like I do. She used lots of scripture and took a long time to, uh, but she just uh, wanted to make sure that people understood uh, what the Word of God is saying about prayer and intercessory prayer and all those things, which is very vitally important, uh, not only to our walk with God, but as well uh, in the work of God. And that she just so eloquently put across. Uh, when I say eloquently, I mean uh, she just gets right down to, to the nitty-gritty of it, but says it in such a way that you're looking at this woman and you're thinking, if this woman, 96 years old, can stand up there as long as she did, I mean, she stood there for a long time, uh, giving scripture after scripture after scripture, and just very sharp. Uh, you know, every once in a while you'd see she'd stop for a second, but then she'd just keep on going. And uh, just a, a wonderful uh, word of God that feeds your soul. Uh, but it's talking so much about the need for intercessory prayer, intercessors to, to pray and to seek God. And uh, so anytime we do anything, you begin your day, I believe that it's very important. It's vitally important that we begin our day. Whatever time slot that you find yourself beginning your day, you know, you might... I, I know uh, I've known people that um, they go to work. They have to work from midnight to I think uh, they're there from midnight to nine o'clock in the morning because they have lunchtime, break time, and all that. So their day actually begins in the evening before they uh, leave to go to work uh, and be there by midnight to start their shift. So you know whatever time that you find yourself starting your day. Certainly people that work swing shift, it kind of varies how your day is really going to start. But whatever you find yourself doing that starts your day, I believe that we've got to start with the Lord. You say, well, I wake up tired. I wake up, I've had a long night, or I didn't sleep well. All those things are inconsequential. I'm, I'm telling you, because there are days or nights, rather, that I have only gotten like two or three hours of of sleep in a night and you know and I, I I was actually blessed I saw a scripture that I looked at the word uh, watchings and it said there were watchings um, or night watches I believe it was watchings uh, or night watches either way I think both of those I looked up but uh, it meant sleeplessness and I know there's been time and time and time and time again that I went to bed, um, you know, have a set time to go to bed, uh, thereabouts. And uh, But, I, you know, you lay there, you toss your turn, you're trying to get comfortable. Your mind is, is starting to race and thinking about this or that. And, and I got into a habit of saying, Lord, if I'm going to be awake, I'm going to pray. And so I would not, sometime I'd lay there for a while and uh, usually sleep on my side, and I'm laying there, and I'm just, uh, you know, facing the clock, and I see time is still going on, and I'm still talking to the Lord. And finally, uh, I just say, well, Lord, I'm, 
if I'm late, I might as well just get up and I go in the living room a lot of times, sit down in my recliner, prop my feet up and sit there and talk to the Lord. And if I've got uh, the ability, sometimes I don't always have the ability to get down on my knees for a long time because of my uh, hip pain in my hip sometimes bothers me with arthritis and different things. But, um, but it, you know, uh, sometimes I, I've gotten all of two hours sleep, um, but had wonderful, blessed time with the Lord in some of those times, those night watches and those time of watchings. Just uh, sleeplessness is what it's translated to. And uh, and yet, you know, you you get up and you get about your day. And uh, you say, well, then you, when you finally went to sleep and you got up and you, you prayed again. Well, yes, I did because my day started. And I wanted to begin it with the Lord. And the alarm goes off. No matter what time you've gotten for your sleep, the alarm goes off and it's time to get up. And so I begin my day with the Lord, and I make sure I set that alarm here, regardless of what my sleep pattern was the night before. I'm going to stick to that and then get up uh, to give myself enough time to spend with the Lord because um, I believe we should spend our day, uh, or begin our day uh, with the Lord. We're going to be spending our time, uh, many of us, you know, you work a job outside of, um, you know, what they would call a secular job. Uh, you know, if you're not working at a, you know, let's say you work, you know, at a Christian school or maybe you work in some type of ministry or whatever, well, you're still rubbing shoulders with human beings. <laughs> and, you know, uh, not everybody that is, you know, I guess you could say a part of the ministry. A lot of times you've got folks that are not staying full of the Holy Ghost, so you still got to deal with that, that you might rub shoulders with people that have not prayed like they ought to. And so irregardless, you you know, and especially those of y'all that, uh, you know, you're working, like I said, the secular jobs, and you're out and about, and you're going, and, and you're, you're rubbing shoulders with the world all day. Well, don't think that that can't be, uh, a, a bit problematic as well for those that might work in ministry. You know, some people say, well, oh, it'd be such a wonderful thing. You know, I get, if I'd work at the church all day or I'd work at a Christian school all day or some, some type of ministry and this and that. But remember, not everybody's going to be prayed through that you're walk, working with because some people ain't got a mind to, you know, they, they, they think they can pray like once a month or they can pray, uh, you know, I said, thank you, Jesus, for my food. And I said, Lord, thank you for my day. And then they think that's sufficient. Well, you got a mind and a thought like that, then you're not you're not getting into that prayer like you need to between you and the Lord and having a relationship with him because we build up our most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. And I've talked about that many times. I've preached about that many times. But listening to this a uh, woman, 96 years old, almost 97, talk about intercessory. It just made me want to go even further in prayer. So let's do that now. Let's uh, go to God in prayer before we get into this uh, Bible study podcast, if you will. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word that you have provided for us. I know there are many out there, Lord, that say that your word was not written by you. But we know that they are liars. 
We know they are not telling the truth. We know that their father is the devil. They do not listen to the truth. They wander in dark places, and their mind is not right with you. And so, Lord, we want to thank you, those of us who have been enlightened and baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. We want to thank you for your word that we know you have preserved because it is a light to us. It is a lamp to us. It lights our path on this narrow road that we walk on. And sometimes, God, we can't even see our way, but thank God, as we hold on to your hand, you do not let go as long as we don't let go of you. And so, Lord, we're here today, and we're talking about the things that you said in your word that you hate. Let us get a mind to look at it and to understand it. Let it go down deep in our soul. Let it take root. And let us understand what it is that you want us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 18. And I told uh, everybody on the podcast this last Friday, I said we're going to be turning a corner come uh, the next one because uh, we're going to be talking about something different. And we're in uh, Proverbs 6, chapter 6 and verse 18. And we're going to be looking at uh, an heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. An heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. And we want to look at that. Uh, we want to, as we do on this podcast, you know, this not called God's whole word for no reason, and uh, we want to rightly divide it. We want to, we want to dissect it. We want to look into the word of God. You know, I remember when I was uh, in junior high, and uh, they was uh, wanting to dissect. I don't know. I think a frog or something, and I really wasn't wanting to do that. But you know. Uh, got in there, they got in there and they wanted to uh, literally take it apart. Now, these were, you know, they were dead already, but um, they were in some kind of solution or something, and and uh, they, uh, the teacher's going to show everybody how to take apart and find the different parts, such as the heart and whatever else going on, um, trying to find the different parts and dissecting it, looking at it, and searching it out. And then talking about what each uh, part does, what it would do uh, to keep that frog alive, and uh, what happened with uh, each part as, as uh, each part functioned. So, but we want to do something different than dissecting a frog. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. We want to dissect the word of life. Hallelujah. God's whole word. Amen. And so uh, the Bible says uh, that there are six things, yea, seven things that God hates. Amen. And uh, it says it's an abomination unto him, and God gives a list. First thing on the list was a proud look. We talked about those things for a while. And then the next thing we looked at was a lying tongue, and we talked about that for a while. And then we just turned a corner from the last one we've been looking at, hands of shed innocent blood. And now we're going to look at this one, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, something that God hates. A lot of people say, well, God is love. Well, God is love, but you can't have love if you don't know hate. That's not possible. There's got to be 
uh, an opposite of, of that for you to know. You can't know what love is if you don't know what hate is. That's not possible. That is, it, it, I know some people that it's hard for that to wrap around your brain, but you cannot know love if you don't know what hate is. Because once you understand hate, you can understand the fullness of what love really is. But when God says he hates something, you better get a mind to listen to what he says. Amen. And so God says he hates the heart that devises wicked imaginations. Now, that word heart, when you look it up, it's not talking about that thumpity-thump thing in here where they do open-heart surgery, you know, when somebody needs something done, when the heart ain't working right. No, this is talking about your feelings and emotions. This is talking about how, how that deep part of you, who you are, the way you think, the, the person that you are on the inside, the type uh, of, of thinking you allow yourself to go to. What type of a person that you are? Are you a sneaky, conniving uh, little old jackal? Or are you somebody that is sweet and kind and gentle? Or are you somebody that uh, you know, you you got a mind to want to think about everything, and you got sometimes you calculate everything to the point you calculate it into the ground, and and nobody can even really have a conversation with you because you get so uh, busy trying to calculate things. See, and that's where we got things going wrong so much in the world now because people want to listen to scientists and say, well, the scientists know more than God. You put yourself in a very dangerous position for taking that stance. And that's just a word you need to repent of that. Uh, but in any event, and you say, well, this is a podcast for those, you know, the walking with the Lord and serving the Lord. Let me tell you something. There are people out there that claim to be Christian. They're part of the congregation of the dead, and their daddy's the devil. Uh, they they don't follow Jesus. They, matter of fact, the apostle, you know, he talked about there being another gospel and another Jesus. He said, and we don't, uh, you know, there are people that are preaching another Jesus, that are preaching another gospel. That is not what was taught to them in the early church. And so that's the reason why the book of, G, book of Jude, chapter, uh, well, there's only one chapter, but uh, verse 3, he said, I, I was just going to write about the common salvation. He said, but I, I found, it, found it to be needful that I'm going to tell you that we've got to fight we've got to contend for the faith that was first delivered to the saints of the living god you see the the word faith there it means the tenets of beliefs because the tenets of beliefs were being challenged the things that the early church believed they were being challenged and they were being tested and uh, so he said we got to fight for the things that were first delivered to the saints because because what was first delivered to the saints it was right amen it was right uh, you know, the, the gospel truth was right. You know, when, when you know, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, when they said, men and brethren, what should we do after he's given them this long message and said, you know what, you, you killed the Lord and the Messiah on that cross, but he rose from the dead. And this, what you see, this Holy Ghost had come down. This is a result of what the, what the prophet Joel said that would happen, that God would come in and, and fill people with the Holy Ghost and they would speak in other tongues. And, um, you know, so uh, when they heard that, the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. You know, God uh, convicted them. Uh, it stirred them up. They felt sorry for what they had done. They realized they were wrong. 
And, and, and they said, men and brethren, what should we do? In verse 36 of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And, and Peter said, this is what you got to do. In verse 38, he said, repent. That's the first thing you got to do. Repent. That means you turn from your sin. That don't mean you say, oh, I'm sorry. And then you just keep on doing what you're doing. You know, and there's a lot of people that claim to be Christian. And that's exactly how they take that. But that is not what that means. It means to repent. It means to turn from your wicked ways and not to continue in your sin, but to turn around and go the other direction. And uh, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Did you hear that? Every one of you. He didn't leave nobody out, you understand? And it's still today the same thing. Every one of you should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not, it's not, you know, there's preachers out there that's, oh, you know, some people get it and some people don't. And then other ones are preaching and saying, oh, no, that was back then and we don't have that no more. No, the Bible says, and you shall. When the Bible says you shall, you shall. That's what it means. When it says you shall, you shall. Amen and hallelujah. You knew I couldn't get away without hitting my desk and raising my voice up. You know how, I mean, I think some people just probably feel like they're on the wrong podcast if I didn't get some of that in there. All right, so Proverbs 16, or excuse me, 6 in chapter, uh, chapter 6 and verse 18 makes it clear that God says that the heart, that your intent, your will, your the way that you think, that devises wicked imaginations. God hates that. So let's look at that. Now, what does it mean to devise wicked imaginations? Now, before we dissect those three words, we want to look at another proverb very quickly that's not too far away. It's in chapter 8 of, and verse 13. Now, what does chapter 8 and verse 13 say in the book of Proverbs? It says, now, you know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, that's not this verse, but that's also in the book of Proverbs. But um, it's the beginning of wisdom. In other words, when you begin to learn to fear God, that's when you start getting smart. That's what that means. You, you ain't smart until you learn to fear God. And you don't even begin to get smart until you learn to fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, but in verse 13, it says, The fear of the Lord, it gives you some more description, is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So if you don't hate evil, you don't fear God. It's that simple. If you do not hate evil, you do not fear God. Okay? So it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then it, it stops there, and it's got the little dot, dot, you know, on top of each other. Little, it looks like two little periods stack, uh, stacked on top of each other. And, and it goes into what God says these details are of the evil that he's talking about here. And the first word is pride. Now, it's interesting because when you look over uh, Proverbs 6 and, and verse uh, 17, the, the list when it starts talking about the seven things that God hates, the first thing on the list is pride. And then you go over to verse 18, or, uh, chapter 8 and verse 13, and the first thing on the list is pride. Why? Well, the reason is because the devil, that's what took him down. Pride. And what do you think he's going to use uh, to take down every human being? Well, he's going to use pride. Yes, sir. And so the Lord says he hates pride, verse 13, 
and arrogancy. Huh? God don't like people to be arrogant. You sit there and you, you, you know, and I've actually been, I, I've been accused of that. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to be arrogant. I'm just telling you what God's word says. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to act like I know more than than somebody else or whatever else. I'm just telling you what God's word says, and I believe what it says. And that's not arrogancy. That's just simply look. I know where my faith lies. I know what I believe because I see the word of God and I believe in the word of God. That's not arrogancy. And, and that just means I put my faith and trust in the Lord and I put my faith and trust in his word. And what happens is you got people out there, they're going to say, oh, he's prideful, he's arrogant, he's this and that. Because of the fact that you see that there are people that are comfortable with the word of God, that are comfortable with what God's word says, and they believe what God says, and that makes them upset. And so what are they going to do? They're going to lash out, and they're going to start, you know, accusing you of things, and they'll say, well, you're prideful, you're arrogant. Well, when we meet Jesus, and we all going to meet him, every last one of us, we all going to meet him. When we meet him, the you know, as my grandma said back in the day, it's all going to come out in the wash. Mm -hmm. You hear what I said? It's all going to come out in Jesus' wash because it takes the blood of Jesus to, uh, to cleanse us and clean us up and, 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 and get right with him. And so, uh, but God said, I hate pride. He said, now, you, if you're going to have the fear of the Lord, you're going to hate evil. And then he starts listing. He said, pride and arrogancy. You're going to hate those two things. You, you, it's going to get on your nerves when you... You see somebody, you know, this prideful and arrogant. They're always talking about all the good things they've done and how they make this amount of money and they own this and they own that and they got this and they got that. I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's like, you know, what difference does it make what you have? What difference does it make how much money you make when you, I mean, are you saved? Because if you ain't saved, then none of that matters because all that's going to burn up anyway and you're going to be in hell burning yourself. So what difference does it make what you got? What difference does it make what degree you got? And you know, and I'm, I'm not even going, I'm not even finished yet. I might as well say this too since I'm on a roll. And all of you preachers that you think because you got some kind of degree that come out of some theological school and you think you got something going on over everybody else that are baptized with the Holy Ghost and led by the Holy Ghost and led by the Word of God. You think that you've not got more knowledge and you won't sit there and say, all oh, those oneness, Jesus name, holiness people, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I got news for you. When you meet Jesus, you're going to find out. It's all going to come out in the wash. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Because I'm going to stand for truth. And if the Lord said to repent, then flat out it means repent. If the Bible says every one of you ought to be baptized in the name of Jesus, then the Bible says it means every one of you ought to be baptized in the name of Jesus. There ain't no sense in arguing about it. The Bible says it. And what God said, that's the end of it. Ain't nothing left to talk about. When God has already said it in his word, that's the end of it. Amen and hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. All right. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way. You know what that word way, you, it's an evil road. You walk down an evil road. You know how many churches walk down an evil road? They call themselves a church. But they walk down an evil road because they take on all this sin. And things that, you know, a hundred years ago, every, pretty much every church said, oh, no, we don't walk like that. We don't live like that. We don't do that. We don't walk that way. We don't do that. You know how many churches, 
I mean, we're talking Baptists, Methodists, all of them, that would not go to what they called the picture show. They wouldn't do that. You know how many of them that wouldn't wouldn't do that? And now, you, you know, it's it's just the Pentecostal holiness is talking about. There's a few other ones that holiness believe in people that don't, don't go to the picture show or whatever you want to call it, theater, and this, that, and the other. We, we did for a while, you know, and God got a hold of me, and he said, no, you got to quit doing this. Because you know you you get up there and you can't you you can't uh, you can't change the channel when something comes across. You you paid money to get in there and you cannot change the channel. You understand what I'm saying? Or shut the stupid thing off. You can walk out, but then now you paid money and guess what? They've made some money off of you and they're gonna pay these actors and actresses or whatever and and they've said and done something that you know is squarely against the Bible and you can't even sit there and change the channel. You see. And so now, you know, I know some people say, well, why, why are you talking about that and preaching against going to movie house and, 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 and people got televisions? Well, you shut that thing off. That little one-eyed demon sitting in your house. Yeah, I call it one-eyed demon. You sit there and got a one-eyed demon in your house. Well, you better control that thing. But you sure can't control the screen that you just paid, what, $10, $10 to get in and see or whatever. And, you know, and the more that you look at movies and the things that are coming across, more and more and more, the agenda of the world is being played out in these movies. The agenda of the world. They, they don't have a mind for God. They don't want to listen to God's word. You, you know, because they, they run around and they say, oh, global warming, global warming. And they do all these things in these movies that will kind of, you know, lead around to that or, or whatever else. That, but I'm going to say this about that. Because, look, the Bible tells us that the Lord is going to rule on this earth. Do you understand? On this earth, right here, this one right here that we're on for 1,000 years. It ain't going nowhere right now. Now, it is going to be burned up eventually. I mean, if you want to, if you want to get, on, get on that soapbox, you can get on that soapbox, but you better remember something. Before this earth burns up, the Bible's, but but the Lord's going to have a new heaven, a new earth provided for us, and how He's going to transport us. The Bible don't tell us that. We by faith we know God's going to get us there one way or another. But the Bible says it's going to be a new heaven and earth, and this one in the book of Peter it talks about uh, all this going to be melted away with fervent heat. But God is going to rule on this earth through through Jesus Christ. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. So don't sit there and tell me it's going to be happening in the next 50 years or 100 years. And if we don't get rid of all the beef and the airplanes and all this other bunch of nonsense that I've read. Listen, come on. You people need to get the mind of God in your heart. Get some, get, get some kind of something down in you to build up your faith. And you can't do that if you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says you need to build your faith up. In the book of Jude, you got to build up your most holy faith. It's a holy faith. That's why you don't run off to the picture show watching all that bunch of nonsense. It's a holy faith. Amen and hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a holy faith. He said you're building up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory to God. I don't know why I said all that. But anyway, somebody's needing it, I guess. All right. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth. Huh? Oh, my goodness. You know how many people they think they know it all. 
And they don't know nothing because they don't listen to God's word. Amen. They want to sit there. You know, I, I was thinking about this today because I was listening and I, you know, listening to some preaching and and I and I was looking in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, and and looking the stuff up about the, uh, you know, when God flooded the earth, that that kind of thing, and and I was thinking about that, you know, because there was uh, some people come across, uh, and they they do ever so often, you know, and they they are able to take those people that are weak in their mind. You you weak in your mind when you don't allow yourself to build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. When you get baptized without Holy Ghost, the last thing you ought to be doing is running off somewhere else other than being in the house of God. You ought to be in the house of God every time the door comes open uh, if you got a place of truth to go to. And if you don't find a place of truth to go to, you know, I, I was baptized uh, in a church that was not oneness, was not Jesus' name. It was a Pentecostal church. But the Lord led me, as the Bible says, He leads you into all truth, and He certainly did. And I was uh, just uh, uh, at 16. God baptized me with the Holy Ghost in the Pentecostal Church of God. And and then, uh, you know, several years later, uh, I was uh, baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, and uh, that was an exciting moment for me to have that revelation of, of the truth of God and the oneness of God and all of those things. It was a wonderful thing. But God will lead you into all truth. He, he will do that if you will be willing, if you will get your mind right. But, you know, people, uh, they have been uh, bamboozled. You know what I mean? They've been bamboozled. Even people that claim to be Christian have been bamboozled to think that this is not written by God. Now, did God use man? He certainly did. God continues to do that, and I thank God for that. That is a privilege that we have. The Bible tells us in the book of First Corinthians, in the book of the first book of Corinthians, excuse me, uh, he's talking about uh, the fact that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That has been handed to the church. We have a ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God has given us a ministry to reconcile people back to God. And God is going to use human beings to do that. And so that is a, a blessing. But I'll tell you what, when once people get, you know, you, you, you reach out to the lost and all that, and people come and they, uh, they hear the word of God and they repent of their sins and give their life over to Jesus Christ, you, you have, your job is not finished. If you, no, your job has just begun. Because they need to be taught and they need to learn not only out of the word of God and being consistent with the being in the house of God. Because the Bible tells in the book of Hebrews that we need to make sure that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And I believe that's in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, I think. Um, I'm going to look it up here real quick because I'm going to make sure that that's correct. I think it's 1025. Uh, Lord have mercy, help me. Uh, yeah. All right, so Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, Not forsaken this, and it says, well, verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. We've got to be able to provoke people to love and good works. Well, you can't do that if people ain't going to be in the house of God. you got to, you got to be there to provoke them to be loving and to, and to carry on with good works. And then in verse 25, it says, Not forsaken this, something of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, uh, but exhorting one another so so much more as you see the day approaching. So we see that the Lord is coming back, and we want to, you know, our job has just begun when they, uh, the new converts come, and they're baptized in Jesus' name, they're baptized with the Holy Ghost, 
and and we've got to teach them how to live for God because the world has spent all this time programming their mind about a bunch of ungodly things and they don't know how to live for God a lot of them now if a backslider obviously the backslider knew how to live for God before but they backslid from the way of of what's right and holy and uh, if a backslider come back to God, truly comes back to God, they will repent. And they will uh, get themselves back in line with walking with God like they ought to, if if they truly were a backslider. Now, for uh, the, or or shall I say, not just truly a backslider. And what I meant by that was somebody that really knew the truth. I'm not talking about somebody that maybe oh you belong to some church that didn't preach all the truth. I'm not talking about that, but. Uh, I'm talking about people that have been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. You knew what it was like to live a holiness life or a life of holiness and separation from the world. But you backslid from that way of truth and you move backwards. I'm, that's what I'm referring to if it is a backslider of that sort. Now, could you backslide from maybe what you were taught as a Baptist or whatever else other denomination? Well, I guess you could have backslid from that. Uh, but what I'm referring to is specifically where you have been given uh, the knowledge of the truth uh, in that we uh, mean the oneness of God uh, and Jesus' name baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost and certainly uh, repentance, a full repentant life living um, for the Lord. But, but when people, you know, they come from the world and even a backslider, you know, They've been marred by the world, and they've been programmed by the world, and they've been. I, I've seen where people that have backslid, and they get on the phones, and they start talking bad stuff about uh, Pentecostal people. I, I would just give you a forewarning: you need to be careful what you're doing. You say, "Oh yeah, that's where you guys lead." Well, I, we do, because the Bible says the fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of wisdom. You ain't got no fear of the Lord. The Bible says that we're supposed to. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Where you you can't expect us to fall in line with your prideful, arrogant thoughts that you've got going on against the way of holiness, because that's exactly what it is. And so God said that He hates those things. Now we want to look at this for a moment, and we want to, like I said, we want to dissect this. So let's look at the words. Uh, this got here uh, an heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. So uh, we looked at Hebrews or not Hebrews, but Proverbs chapter eight and verse thirteen, where the fear of the Lord is to hate um, hate evil, and uh, then God gives a list of that. So let's look at the word hate for a minute. What does that mean? Now some people say, look, pastor preacher, teacher, whatever you are. I, I know what hate is. You don't have to tell me nothing. There's that pride. You, nobody has to tell you nothing. Now, for me, I'm going to look those words up and I'm going to say to myself, you know what? I need to see what the Bible says about it. What, what exactly is the Bible talking about? I want to know exactly what the Lord means. So when I looked up that word hate, which was, it's translated from a Hebrew, uh, not from Hebrew, sorry. Uh, the, well, actually, this is a Hebrew word because this is in the book of, it's in the Old Testament. So this is a Hebrew word. If you're going into the New Testament, uh, it's going to be uh, Aramaic, Greek language, uh, and certainly with the 
book of Proverbs, it is going to be Hebrews, excuse me. Uh, but anyway, the, the Hebrew word is spelled S-A-N-E. I found that very interesting. The word sane, that's how we would pronounce it. Now, it's pronounced different in the Hebrew language. But it's just, I looked at that and I thought, that is really something. That God says to that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, and the word hate is a Hebrew word that's spelt out like our word sane. In other words, <laughs> you get sane when you learn to hate evil. You say, well, we're not supposed to hate anything. Jesus teaches us it's just love, love, love. No, Jesus didn't teach just love, love, love. Jesus also taught repentance. Jesus also taught the fact that we must repent and that sin is going to destroy us. So the Bible, and you got to remember this, and this is this is where so many people get off track, uh, is the fact that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. That's something that people keep forgetting. They keep looking at Jesus as if he's another God, that he's not the God that destroyed uh, different groups of people in the Old Testament. They think that Jesus is not the same God when Noah got in that boat after it had been built and he had been preaching for a hundred years to these people to repent and get right with God uh, because God was going to send a flood and all they wanted to do was make fun of him and not listen to him. Uh, you know, this is the same God. Jesus is that same God that sent that flood. He's the same exact God. He's not a different God. But that's the problem with the world. And, and let, me, let me just say this too. That's the problem. And you've got to be careful with that one-eyed demon. And there's a reason why, uh, you know, I think that it, it, you just really, a Christian ought not be going to the movie show, a picture show, movie show, movie house, whatever you want to call it. Because, like I said, you can't change that channel. But you see more and more movies that are coming out now. The, all the agendas of the world, like the, the, you know, the what we talked about a while ago, you know, the earth is heating up, and we're all, you know, all this stuff. Every bit of the world's agenda is being literally written into the new movies now. You can see it over and over and over. And, and of course, you see it every now and then, too. Uh, well, more and more so. I mean, you can find some old movies, I guess, that don't have that. I remember we watched one movie with actually a, an actress named Debbie Reynolds. I don't, you know, some of y'all know who I'm talking about, maybe not. But uh, anyway, it really old movie. I mean, she was very, very young. And uh, they said some things in there that was just unbelievable that were said uh, that put God in the center of things and talked about certain things that the Word of God said. It was just a, uh, a real... Uh, uh, treat to be able to watch something that was decent and and being able to hear God being interweaved into it. But I'll tell you, things have changed. Things certainly have changed. And of course, uh, you know, back then in the older movies, uh, you know, you've seen the women only in skirts and modest clothing and all that kind of thing. And, and uh, the men too, and, you know, decent haircuts and all that kind of thing. And uh, so it... it, it but you can't find too much of that much anymore, even on the on the well television. Y'all call tell me I don't call it one eyed demon. But anyway, you say, well, if you got one, why why call that 
Well, you better control that thing. If you're going to have it in your house, you're going to have to control it. And you're going to have to ask the Holy Ghost to guide you. Because there's some things that Christians ought not be watching. It's just not right. And if it gets to the point to where there's nothing much on, then you either get rid of it or you just find something that you can watch until you just can't watch nothing. And then, then you just don't turn it on or you get rid of it, whatever the case may be. But in any event, you've got to be careful about the things that are said because agendas are being pressed through these writers. Now, they've been having a writer strike and all that kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you, these writers nowadays, they got shows coming on and the things that are said, the agendas of the world are being pressed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed across that screen. And so when we look at the word hate and we see the word of God says that God hates some things, you've got shows that are depicting people that claim to be Christian on some of these shows and and, and just the, the foolishness of what they say, trying to make it look like Christianity is in a certain, uh, like stuck down in a pot of dirty mess of sin. And that's not the truth. You know, because the Lord calls us out. The Lord don't save us in, a sin, in our sin. God saves us from our sin. And that's the truth of God's word. And so... When we look at this uh, word hate, uh, so that word is saying, S-A-N-E. Well, I know it's not pronounced like that. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But anyway, that is the spelling. All right, so the word hate, it means to find repulsive. In other words, you hate it so bad that you find the things that God hates repulsive. You would find pride repulsive. You would find arrogance repulsive. You would find the evil way repulsive. You would find those that devise wicked imaginations. You would find it repulsive. Because that's what that word hate means. One of the words, one of the things. The other thing that it means is not only that you find it repulsive, but it's a personal hate. It actually says those words. You personally hate it. Not that you just, uh, okay, well, my church preaches against this, so we're just going to stand there and ha hallelujah. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, no, this is a personal thing. It is something that you and God have come to an agreement with, and, you, and because God has said he hates it, you have come to an agreement with God that you hate it personally just as much as God does. That's what hate means. And then the other one is to consider those things as your enemy. Huh? You consider pride as your enemy. You consider arrogancy as your enemy. You, you consider those that literally devise wicked imaginations. You consider that to be your enemy. Okay. And so let's start taking these words apart here. Let's start with the word deviseth. So the Bible says... God, uh, how, how does this say? And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. All right, deviseth. It comes from the Hebrew word. Now, it's, uh, I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing this right, but it's spelled H-A-R-A-S. And uh, it has a, a long A sound, so it would be like hey, hey, ras, hey, ras. 
Now, I don't know if I've got the accent, I'm, you know, where you put the uh, little accent thing on there. I don't know if it's a Hayras or Harass. Hayras, Hayras or Harass. Hayras. I'm not sure how to do that. Anyway, but this ain't no Hebrew class and ain't no English class. But I'm just saying, what I find interesting about this is just as I found it interesting that the Hebrew word was spelt like sane, I find it interesting that the word deviseth, it sounds a lot like our English word harass. Isn't that interesting? I find it interesting. I just thought that was very uh, interesting. But in any event, let's look at what deviseth means. What deviseth means is, first of all, to plow. Now, if you've ever lived on, on a farm uh, and, and, or even went to, to make a little garden in that, and you're going to plow, I don't know if you, unless you've lived on a farm, you may not even know. Some folks have never been on a farm, and they're not even really sure what that might mean. But in this instance, uh, you're looking at the Old Testament, so you're talking about the plows that had handles on each side, one for the right hand, one for the left hand, and, and it goes into like a fork type of shape down below, and then there is the blade that's put down there made of some type of metal, iron, so on and so forth, and, 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 and it has a scoop. Uh, scooped uh, look to it, shape to it, in order that as you are uh, guiding this plow, because it's going to be hooked to a team of uh, animals, whether it be oxen or whatever it was back then, they used oxen a lot because they're very powerful animals, and uh, and then uh, hooked up to the person also uh, that's holding on to the plow, and they begin to guide that plow as that animal moves forward, and, and they begin to plow that dirt. They begin to scrape as you will, the dirt away and making a, like a trench. And, and what that's doing is it's making a way for the seed. Because as this is done, at the same time, that person that's a sower also could be the sower, that is, and had a pouch or bag and had seed and began to toss the seed into those places. And this was the reason why the Bible, you know, it come up with the word that said not to muzzle the ox as he treads out the corn because he was working and he needed to be able to eat. And God used that scripture that was placed in the law for those in the church. It was there put in the law for those in the church that plow the seed of God's word. They begin to plow the seed of God's word and they should not be muzzled to not be able to eat uh, of, of uh, the, the carnal things of the people. In other words, and I don't mean carnal like worldly, but that's the word that's used. But it means like the earthly things. In other words, if a preacher, a pastor is sowing to you the seeds of God's word, they should be able to reap back uh, those things that uh, are needed uh, you know, for them, like a roof over their head and food for their stomach and clothes for their back and shoes for their feet. They need to be able to reap that back because that's what they're doing. They're sowing and feeding your soul so you're to turn around and feed their uh, lives and take care of them. That's how it works, folks. Now, uh, and we're not going to get into all of the details of that and how, you know, some pastors uh, have to hold down jobs at the same time when they're working a pastoral uh, situation, uh, maybe part-time or whatever the case is, or, or trying to do both at the same time for a while. Like I said, we're not going to get into all that. But the bottom line is that this word deviseth, 
it literally has this idea of plow. Now, what we talked about was plowing and sowing the seeds of the word of God, the good word of God, the good seed of God's word. That's a great thing. But what this is uh, leading to is that those that deviseth wicked imaginations, they plow to sow wicked seed. They sow wicked seed. And the Bible even talks about that. You know, because the Bible, uh, Jesus, he's got a, a parable that talked about uh, that there was uh, one that was the, the good seed and then uh, the enemy came and sowed bad seed within it. You know, trying to mix up the weeds and the wheat together, the we the wheat and the tares together, which is basically weeds. But they look like the wheat. You know, for a while they look like wheat. But when the harvest comes, it's separated out because the tares can't stand uh, up to the scrutiny of of uh, literally being um, plowed and and uh, not plowed. Excuse me, uh, being harvested. Because the harvest, a very intense thing goes on while harvesting is going on. And so it separates the wheat, and the wheat falls to the ground. But, but the other, it's, it's like chaff, and it blows in the wind, and, it, you know, it, it can't stand. It doesn't have the ability to stand. And so these who deviseth wicked imaginations, they are plowing also, but they are plowing to sow wicked seed. It is not to sow good seed. They are there to sow the seeds of sin in the the difference between the wheat and the tare. The wheat you can eat, the tares you cannot. And it, it, you know it's uh, destructive when this happens when it's mixed in there. And we find that in so many churches now because you've got so many tares being sowed into the wheat, and and so many times it can destroy the wheat because uh, it, you know Jesus even talks about that. He talks about how. That if you're not careful with this, if you're not careful with how this is dealt with, uh, it can literally destroy the wheat itself. So you got to be careful. But God hates those that go around plowing things up in order to sow wicked seed. Now you say, well, how do you know it's wicked seed? Okay, let's keep looking at the the word and what this word heras means. It means to plow, to prepare, to sow evil. It means to engrave. In other words, you put your mark on it. You're going to put your mark on it. So evil, the the people of this day and age, they are putting their mark or their what they engrave into the fabric of society. It literally is being weaved into society. You, you can look around now and you see all of the agendas being weaved into society. They literally will go, they'll continue on and on and on and they will keep talking and talking and talking about, uh, you know, how good is evil, uh, how evil is good and good is evil. You know, because if you've got somebody that's preaching holiness, they're going to tell you that's evil. If you got people people that are going to preach separation from the world, they're going to say, "Oh no, that's that's just those people that like to control." That's what they'll say, uh, and they don't want to listen to the fact that you know, uh, seventy five years ago, most churches taught holiness and separation from the world. They don't want to hear that, and they're going to continue on with their agendas, and they're going to continue to sow. Uh, they're going to plow, and they're going to sow in uh, these wicked seeds. And then the other thing that it means is to using uh, using the tools necessary to prepare the evil of your heart. Using the tools that are necessary to prepare the evil of your heart. So, uh, you know, a lot of people will use all types of um, different um, 
tools, so to speak. A lot of people are using social media as tools uh, to uh, go about plowing and preparing uh, what's the evil in their heart. They will use these platforms. And and I, I want to say this. Uh, I, You know, we've been doing this podcast for a while now. And, you know, it's like I was praying the other day and I said, Lord, why is it that all these other platforms that, that seem to just... Uh, I mean, they just have a heyday of uh, being out there in the mainstream and people listening to them, and they're just all over the place with things that are so against your word. And yet here, I'm trying to do this podcast that talks about your whole word and talks about the truth of your word and holiness and godliness, and yet it seems like I don't have uh, much anybody at all following, and you can't seem to, and, and then somebody come up and say, well, you know, it's the algorithm. And then I, I think about that, and I think, well, wait a minute. Why is it that the algorithm picks up on all the wicked stuff? Why is that? Why is it that the algorithm, I'll tell you why. Because the world, they're devising the situation. They're plowing the situation. They are making the trenches for their seeds, and their seeds are being sown in order to have the place of prominence that they need in order to push the devil's agenda. Amen. So they use whatever tools to prepare the evil of their heart. And and you see this played out over and over. You know, with this... You know, and I want to be really careful with what I'm saying because I know that there could be other people that watch this. You know, we talk about our ministry being a ministry. Uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, in Isaiah 56, and I believe in verse 7, talking about the house of prayer should be a house of prayer for all people. We really believe that. We really do. And we know that there are people that struggle with a lot of things, uh, different things. And I've talked about my uh, my own um, the testimony and just the things that I've dealt with through life and all of that. And you can look at uh, all the things concerning that. You can go back and look at the ar archives, listen to the archives of our podcast. And not only that, but also, like I said, the eunuch preacher, you can Google that and you can listen to the preaching and the teaching and all that. And, and a lot of times I will talk about my testimony and different things uh, that I've dealt with over the years. And even concerning, you know, the church and the struggles I've had and all, all of that. But, you know, the bottom line is I'm, I'm just perplexed, you know, or I was for a bit. And I said, Lord, I, I just don't get it. And then the Lord said, but this is the world and this is the way they do. And they, uh, they plow through. They use the tools that they need in order to plow through to plant the seeds that they want to plant. And so what is a child to do? A child of God to do and I I looked at this algorithm thing and and I had my my son even said well dad you know there's an algorithm he tried to explain it. and I finally looked at it I said look I get all that I understand what you're saying but I do know God has a way somehow somehow I know that God's got a way that can skirt over even the algorithm because God has all power and so how that comes about I don't know how God wants to maneuver that, if he wants me to change it up and uh, go preaching on the street corner, I, I don't know. I really, I don't know at this point, but I feel that this is what I should be doing at this moment in time. And so I'm going to use the tools that are available to me, uh, you know, taping our podcast, 
uh, as in the manner that we're able to do right now. I realize you can't see my face on the podcast that I got, but if you want to see what my ugly mug looks like, uh, <laughs> you can uh, go over to the eunuch preacher and you can see see who I am. And then that way, you know, when you hear me talking on this podcast, you got a picture in your mind of who I am. Uh, and if you don't want to do that, that's all fine and well. I'm just saying that's how you could do that if you want. Uh, but anyway... There's so many things about this word devise it, and I don't think we're going to be able to finish all this today because I'm wrapping this up here pretty soon. Uh, But the other thing is, it also means to be silent or to be deaf. Isn't that amazing that the word devise means to be silent or to be deaf? And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And I kept, and I'm praying and listening to the Lord and trying to get a word from God. And, and, And then all of a sudden the Lord showed me some other scripture and and he began to show me he said it's where people do this and they say i'm not telling nobody what i'm doing you're silent Hmm? you do your sin in secret there's a lot of people that plan things out secretly you know like people that uh go they plan to uh you know mass shootings and that kind of thing they secretly plan those things out now the thing of it is that a lot of times they'll put out their manifesto or whatever case but a lot of times they don't do that till like the last of the last and then sometimes it's a little bit too late and that kind of thing but i found that interesting that the word devise means to be silent in other words there's a and then you look it up even further and it means a secrecy to their wickedness you know, it even brings to mind where people will have, uh, you know, I've heard of stories where women were raped and, and, and they said that their perpetrator said to them, don't you tell nobody because I'll do this or that. You know, they threatened to kill them or threaten their families or whatever the case may be. And they want it to be a secret. And the same thing with child molestation. I know that for a fact from my own uh, personal experience that I uh, was uh, raped as a, a young child. Uh, at the age of nine by two teenage boys. And, of course, uh, there was threats come to me, and uh, there was a a sense of silence that needed to be had for fear of my life. And uh, so there is that element to that uh, in devising wickedness because people, as they move about with wickedness, there's some things that people try to keep silent because their wickedness is so wicked they don't want anybody to know. It's like my son. He sits, uh, one of my sons, uh, one of my sons that um, came through the foster system, but he, he has no other parents. We, you know, became his foster parent late late in life. He was an older teenager. But he just, uh, I tried to, tried to talk to him about the Lord, tried to tell him about getting right with the Lord because there's so many different things that would come out of his mouth and things he would say. And uh, he just wouldn't listen. And so he sits in prison, and he's going to be there for many, many years. And so I've tried to talk to him. I've tried to show him love and care because the Bible makes clear that we need to do that. And so we've tried to be there for him uh, and loving him and caring for him, even though he's you know, committed this terrible thing that he did. Uh, and it was something that he kept secret. He was working this situation that had secrecy to it. And, and so this is what happens uh, when people devise wickedness. Uh, those are things that can happen. Uh, not only that, but people can use different types of tools. Uh, the media is certainly a tool that can be used. You've got, 
you've got good media and you've got bad media. Now, I'm sure that a lot of people will say, yeah, well, I agree good media is this. And then another side will say, I agree good media is this. And everybody's got their difference of opinion. But the thing that is, what you have to do is you have to look at the Word of God and line it up with God's Word. And if it don't line up with God's Word, then out it goes. I mean, if you want to serve God, if you want to live for God, that's how you're going to have to do it. And so, and you know, the Bible tells us that God gives us everything for life and godliness. So you can look at the Word of God and you can look at what news feed you're going to have. And, you know, it's like I was saying, I had a friend, well, she was a friend, um, that I was talking to and, and I knew that she believed in the Lord, but of course she needed more knowledge of the truth and certainly trying to witness to her. And she, she was open to my words because she believed in the Lord. So she says, or said, and, um, you know, there came a point in time when she kept trying to press to me these things that she believed that were coming from a certain type of media. And I said to her one day, I said, uh, where did you get that from? And she told me uh, it happened to be, you know, people call it conspiracy theories and that, or some people will label it conspiracy theories. Um, but she believed some of these things as truth. But some of these conspiracy theories have gotten so uh, carried away and out of hand uh, that that people have been severely hurt because of the lies that are perpetrated by conspiracy theories. So, again, it's another tool that the devil uses to hurt and to uh, cause loss and mourn and sadness and, and just so many different things. So we're going to move along uh, with this last part that I'm going to do, and then we're going to, we're going to uh, just continue on this coming Friday if the Lord so tarries and doesn't come and take the church away because I intend on being <laughs> caught up with the Lord when the church comes, when the Lord comes back for the church, excuse me. Um, so the last thing I want to look at it for a moment is it said also in this word deviseth, which was harass, uh, which reminds me of the word harass, um, which is interesting that it kind of flows with that. But the last thing I want to look at is this thing about uh, to be deaf, to be deaf. And I began to pray about that. And I said, Lord, okay, well, what can this mean? What can this mean? And the Lord gave me this word. He said, it's people that say, I'm not listening to what anybody says. I'm going to do it my way anyhow. I'll do what I want. And I'm going to tell you what. That is pride to its core. That is pride to its core. Because if we get to this point to where we are deaf to God's word, we say la 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 and we put our fingers in our ear like we don't want to hear. And we become deaf to the goodness of God. We become deaf not only to the goodness of God, but what God says that we need in our lives for us to prosper which is good, is the good things, but to prosper spiritually, not just to prosper in our lives personally. And I don't believe in this uh, prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about that. Matter of fact, I got a word against that nonsense. 
But I'm, I'm talking about being able to prosper in your life to where you are going to be able to walk in peace and joy and, and, and have those good things in your life. But when we become deaf to God's word, when we become deaf to God's holiness, when we become deaf to what God says is right, because the Lord is the one that identifies to us through his word what is righteousness and what is unrighteousness. We have no, no business trying to figure that out ourselves. We have no business trying to decide, uh, well, hmm, I think I'll say this is righteous and I'll say that's unrighteous. No, we, we, don't, we can't do that. God created us. We didn't create God. And so God wrote the rule book. God gets to say how it goes because he's in charge. And so uh, that is something that uh, I wanted to leave you with. And, of course, we will continue on uh, with this podcast on Friday if the Lord tarries and God gives me the strength to do. And so with that said, as I had mentioned earlier, I'd like to encourage you to listen to uh, not only our podcast here, God's Whole Word, but also um, we have a YouTube ministry. Uh, it is on YouTube. You can search it out on YouTube called uh, The Eunuch Preacher. And again, the word eunuch is spelled E-U-N-U-C-H, The Eunuch Preacher. And um, so we have our Bible studies on Wednesday nights where we study the Word of God. We talk about the Word of God. Uh, we are apostolic Pentecostal people. We believe uh, in the, um, those uh, truths that apostolic Pentecostals hold to, the oneness of God in Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost uh, with, uh, with the evidence of speaking of the tongues. Not just somebody saying, oh, I got the Spirit of the Lord when I believed in Jesus. No, we believe uh, in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The evidence of speaking in other tongues as God gives the utterance. Not something we're doing, not something we're trying to, you know, you don't go down the altar and somebody say, say la, la, la. No, that's not, that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. God gives the utterance. Uh, and I remember that very clearly when I was baptized with the Holy Ghost when I was 16. I knew something had taken over my tongue. I'll tell you what. And uh, God still baptizes people with the Holy Ghost today and lives are changed. And people are baptized in Jesus' name. We believe in baptism in Jesus' name. Not in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The Bible says uh, very clearly in Matthew 28, 19, we believe that and we follow it by obeying Acts 2, 38. Because the Bible says uh, that Jesus said, uh, go about baptizing them in the name. It is singular. In the name of the Father. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. In the name of the Father and of the Son. What of the Son? The name. We know the name of the Son was Jesus. And then it says, and of the Holy Ghost. What of the Holy Ghost? The name. And Jesus said, my Father shall send the Holy Ghost in my name. Well, what's Jesus' name? His name was Jesus. So we believe in the oneness of God. We believe in baptism in Jesus' name. Uh, we believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost, baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking of the tongues. We believe in holiness. We believe that uh, holiness is right. We believe that holiness is still for today. We believe in separation from the world. You don't live like the world, talk like the world, uh, act like the world, dress like the world. No, you, you live for God. But as we mentioned earlier about the, you know, the new converts, don't, don't get yourself where you want to drown a new convert in everything uh, 
when they first come to God. The Bible says here a little, there a little. You've got to be patient and let them grow in the Lord. And uh, we want to encourage people to, to do that. Take them under your wing and, and, and teach them, but don't, don't be on them. I remember when I first got the, the truth of God, and, uh, it, and then I, uh, well, I was baptized in Jesus' name in a different church organization, but they were also oneness. And uh, because they were predominantly Hispanic, I did not understand the language, and they were trying to do bilingual, and it wasn't working. And so the pastor, he gave me uh, a letter uh, to uh, be able to go to another church organization that has uh, what he called the English uh, Pentecostal version of the oneness that they believed. And so... Um, once I got over there, I had already been baptized in Jesus' name. I had already filled with the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 16 uh, in the Pentecostal Church of God. And then the Lord led me to a job that I had at a turkey plant, and God planted somebody next to me that witnessed to me about being baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, anyway, and so and he was Hispanic, so I started going to the apostolic, Hispanic Apostolic Church. And, uh, and then, like I said, went over to the, eventually what they called the English church at the time. And that was just the words that the pastor used. Uh, but in any event, I got over there and I began to learn the, the Lord, you know, learn so much growing in the Lord. But I was new to this way of holiness and separation from the world. I was new to that. And, um, you know, I'd visited other churches. I'd have visited Assembly of God and different ones before I was baptized. Once I was baptized in Jesus' name, well, I was sold out to the oneness in Jesus' name. I mean, I understood it. Once that revelation hit me, uh, that there was no turning back from the truth. But I had uh, not been, uh, I was a new convert, and I, they weren't, like, overwhelming me at the apostolic, Spanish Apostolic Church just trying to help me to grow in the Lord. and But when I got over to the other church, and I remember this one brother, you know, he, he was a very zealous brother. I'm not saying that he didn't love the Lord, but he did struggle with some pride issues and different things, I found out later. But um, in any event, uh, when I got over there, it was getting close to 4th of July, and the church, uh, for fundraising at that time, I don't know that they do it now, but they did many, many years ago back in the 80s, and they would um, have firework booths, and they would sell fireworks to raise money for the church. And so people would volunteer to be manning the fireworks booths. And so the brothers would man fireworks booths uh, with other brothers, and then if there were sisters and some, there were other brothers there, you know, and that kind of thing. And they made sure that uh, things were uh, done in a proper manner and uh, all that kind of thing because they they believed in some very um, old-fashioned ways of doing, which was the right way of doing. As far as, um, uh, you know, making sure that uh, young ladies and young men were uh, not put in compromising situations and all that, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But in any event, I ended up in this one fireworks booth where there was a couple other brothers, and uh, this one brother, and I, like I said, I was new, and over in the um, apostolic, Spanish apostolic church, it wasn't quite uh, the standard to wear longer sleeves. 
uh, for the men. It was for the ladies, but the men uh, tended to wear maybe shorter sleeve than the women. Not that they wore sleeveless, that they didn't do. But anyway, but when I got over there, uh, you know, I didn't notice, really. I was a new convert and things like that. And uh, so the pastor, you know, he had a standard that he set where our sleeves uh, were to be, you know, about to our elbow or a little bit longer uh, on our sleeve lengths for modesty purposes and that kind of thing. Now, I know some of you, you're like shaking your head at this. Like, what in the world are you talking about? But, you know, a lot of churches 75 years ago, it was not a problem to teach, even in a Baptist church, dressing modest. But now everything's flipped upside down because people just listening to another way. But anyway, this one brother, my point is, I came and I had a short sleeve shirt on. Now, it was about the length of what a T-shirt uh, shirt would be, but it was a decent shirt. You couldn't see through it uh, or anything like that, you know. And I got in there and he said, Brother, where's your long sleeve shirt? And I said, what? And they both kind of laughed because they noticed that I didn't know what they were talking about. And so the brother proceeded to uh, give me, you know, a lesson on it, Bible lesson on it. And I'm not saying that he was wrong in doing that, but uh, we've got to be gentle and kind, be patient um, with new converts, uh, helping them to navigate through uh, the Word of God and all the truth of God's Word. <clears throat> and so, of course, I immediately, the next day, I went and I bought me some longer sleeve shirts, and from that point on, I, I was wearing them there. And I remember when I came the next day to man the booth after I got off work, and I had on my long sleeve shirt, and, and they both kind of giggled when I came in. And uh, he said, oh, you got your... your uh, long sleeves on I said yes yes sir I do and I left it at that and um, but in any event I wanted to say that because uh, even though modesty is right and you know Christians have a, a, a mandate in the scripture to dress modestly and all those things when you've got new converts coming in please don't overwhelm them and drown them out because that can cause people to run off because they, they got to be given here a little, there a little. That's what the Bible says, so we want to be careful. You say, well, you sure don't sound like that when you're preaching. and, and you Listen, I'm going to get in the pulpit, and I'm going to preach certain things. I'm going to teach certain things. and, and then, But I'm also going to teach people that when you've got new converts, that you need to be loving and patient and kind and long-suffering uh, with them because they've got to grow. They're babes in the Lord, and they will grow. Some will grow faster than others, and so on and so forth. So with that said, I'm going to sign out now. And uh, y'all have a blessed uh, evening. And I'm so glad that we've been able to come back together. And uh, we're going to be talking about this for a bit. Um, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. We're going to be talking about that for probably a few podcasts. All right. So God bless you. May the Lord keep you. And until we meet again, uh, like I said, if you'd like to, uh, look up on our YouTube uh, channel, uh, The Eunuch Preacher, and uh, look and see and watch some of those uh, archives, those things that have been taped. And so until we meet again, God bless you.